0: Okay welcome, welcome to B- Bosco Bubble Institute. <laughs> let 's pray, Daddy God, thank you so much for your presence. thank you for friends, thank you for life, for smiles, for joy, for hugs, for everything that 's awaiting us, both in this life and in the one to come. Thank you especially for your smile, for without it we couldn't leave. we couldn 't live. Thank you, Lord. amen. Uh, so, um, Mr. Mister Turin, please don't eat any more chockeys. Okay, I'm keeping an eye on you. It's such a joy to see Lo with us. We When was it? Five years ago? Four years ago? Five years ago? Three years. Three years. Yeah, okay. Uh, that uh, Lo used to be with us. And um, anyway, we, um, we are going to carry on with uh, revisiting traditions. Um, we spoke about uh, communion last Sunday. Tradition is, um, the definition of tradition is uh, uh, a time-honored practice, the passing down of elements of a culture from generation to generation, an inherited, established or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. If you take that and you put it into religion or into the church, you end up with religion. And religion, or what I I have named religionism, because religion, it's a word that appears in the Bible. In, In the letter to Timothy, in fact, Paul defines religion, good religion, right religion as looking after the orphans and, and, uh, and the widows and uh, and being unspotted from the world. So that is good religion, something that you do. But the, the, the word appears. But th- that's why I, I coined the word religionism, because it is something that man tries to do. What is it? It's anything that tries to add to the finished work of the cross. And until we realized that the only participation that man can have to the work of Christ is to say yes and amen, It's to say yes, wow, thank you. That's the only, that's the only contribution that you can have because uh, we, were, we were actually talking this morning at the meeting, uh, I was reading um, uh, out, of, out of the book of Hebrews where it says that because God couldn't swear by, somebody, by anybody else, he saw by himself. The covenant, and I saw that, that um, it, it was the it was the the the, 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 um, the the situation with Abraham, right? You remember that Abraham was there, and then uh, uh, God put him to sleep, and then uh, Abraham cut the pieces of the sacrifice, and then what was one of the manifestation of Christ uh, appeared in the form of fire and smoke, which is, is, is always fire and smoke. In the, in, the, in, the, in the desert, in the wilderness, it was fire and smoke. Wherever On Mount Sinai, it was fire and smoke. Whenever God appears, we don't understand that, but the Bible says God is spirit, so we cannot see spirit. And that's why, in a way, uh, um, again, in the book of Hebrews, it says nobody's ever seen God but if you think about it, God was seen, so it, it is a, a manifestation of the, of the uh, not humanity but the, of the tangibility of, of God the fact that He appears as, as fire and smoke. So anyway, these two things appeared and walked through the pieces of the sacrifice of Abraham, and Abraham was asleep. Because that is the participation of man in the covenant that God cuts. Not with man. God didn't make a covenant with man. God made a covenant with himself. That's why he couldn't swear by anybody else. He saw by himself. He made a promise to himself. He said, I promise you that anybody, remember when Jesus said, All the ones you give me, I've lost none? Anybody, I promise you that. All the ones that I give you will be saved. I will say, because of your sacrifice, because of what you will do, they're representing the, 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 the eight, the, the, the shape of the walk in those days when it was tradition for a Jew to walk in the figure of eight uh, around the pieces of the sacrifice. And the figure of eight, of course, speaks of eternity. So it's an, it's an eternal covenant. I'm, I'm going like a train. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to get to tradition just now. I just want to share this with you because it's... So, um, what happens is that God walks around amongst the pieces and makes a covenant with God. It's a one-sided covenant. Again, in the book of Hebrews, when, when, uh, when the writer speaks about the old covenant, he speaks about God making the covenant with Israel through the mediator, Moses. But he says in the new covenant, you needed a a mediator in the old covenant because there were two parts. But he says in the new covenant, we don't have a mediator because there's only one part it's God and God. So once the covenant is understood that is not between you, you don't have to add anything to the covenant that God made with himself because it's a perfect covenant. God cannot break. The covenant that he made with himself. It's like when you make yourself a promise and you say, you know, the 1st of January, okay, this year, I will exercise, I will eat less, I will, you know, I will buy flowers to my wife, I'll stop eating chocolate, I'll, you know, this year, you make a promise to yourself, but you break it. You break it because you're failable, like me, like everybody, like every other human being. But God doesn't do that. God makes a promise, he keeps it. So he says... All the ones that will accept your sacrifice in your seed. And Paul in the, in the book of Galatians says, not seeds as plural, but seed speaking of Christ. So in your seed, in Christ, everyone will be blessed, God says. So I will bless your seed. So everyone that accepts what Christ has done and becomes part of of. Of the, of the person or the spiritual person of Christ received the blessings of the covenant that cannot be broken because God cannot lie. And so that 's why we are sitting in this magnificent position where all we have to say is, yes, and amen. but you 're not doing anything. It doesn 't matter. If I never go to church again in my life, I will be the poorer, but I will not lose my, my promise. If I never read a word of the, in the Bible ever again in my life, I will be the poorer, but I will not lose my promise. Why? Because it wasn't made to me. The promise was made to God. God between God and God. And I am just happen to be part of it in Christ. I don't know if it makes sense. It makes so much sense in my mind, the fact that that's why you cannot break the covenant. No. No. <laughs> Behavior. So, so that, that is what tradition, tradition. This, this word religionism, then it is something that tries to add any dimension, any form of participation to the finished work of the cross, which is the covenant. This is the blood. This is the, the new covenant in my blood, not in your faith, not in your good behavior, no, in my blood. The blood has been shed, the covenant has been cut, finished. Now, all you have to do to be part of that is say, yay, okay, I'm in. i So, that's uh, when, when you want to add anything, and unfortunately, sadly, uh, most of, of the teaching of today, most of the t- historical teaching that we've all come through, Uh, is based on man's participation. Uh, You will hear things like, your faith will move the hand of God. In other words, God will not move for you unless you have enough faith. And that's nonsense. Because in that case, you move the covenant of God. But God said, I will bless you you. I will bless you and I will bless your seed in you regardless, you're asleep. Abraham was asleep, so, and of course, understand that it is a picture of the death of humanity in the covenant. You need to die so that the covenant can make you born again, so you can be raised with Christ, Romans 6. The same death that we died with him, the same resurrection we experienced in him. And, and, and you remember that I told you that um, the, the fact that Jesus died for our sins is only half of the half of the, the gospel it 's a beautiful half, but it 's only half. The other half is I was crucified with Christ. so not only he died for my sins, but I died with him to my sins, and that 's why my sin can only attack my head and my body. And my consequences, my life. But it cannot, it cannot touch my spirit. My spirit is perfect, saved, once and for all, forever, in eternity, in the hand of Jesus that says, no one will be able to take you away from my hand. No, nothing will be able to separate us from the go- love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's all over the Bible. But you make this kind of statement in, in, in your... In your Average church, and they throw you. How was this? Uh, uh, how was this, that song with uh, Bob Dylan? And, uh, they throw you with the stones. If you. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Some of you don't even remember who Bob Dylan was. <laughs> but he, he's still alive, so it's okay. So, all right, so tradition. So, tonight, last, last, uh, uh, last Monday, we covered communion and, and, and I really believe that, that we, we had some kind of a revelation, a, a release in that thing that says examine yourself, otherwise you can't have communion. And again, that is your participation to something that has already happened. This is the covenant in my blood. Shed, done, finished. Thank you. All you have to do is amen. So... Next week, Monday, which is the last one for, for this uh, stretch, Celeste and I will go to uh, Italy for about six weeks. So next Monday, I was wondering if uh, if we shouldn't like, kind of participate, all of us, and just bring a thought or an idea or a question or, um, or a, uh, this is a big word, but perplexity. Uh, uh, you can go to heaven without knowing what it means. It's all right. But, um, and uh, some, some, uh, some, uh, some doubt, some doubt, because remember one thing, that doubt is not a problem. Doubt has never been a problem. Uh, uh, the, the, the absence of doubt of doubt is not faith. The absence of doubt is knowledge. And you cannot please God by knowledge. You can only please God by, by faith. Why? Because in faith, you grab hold of doubt. And you say, no, 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 wait a minute, I don't understand, but I know the heart of my father, and I will trust him anyway, see, so that's, that is the difference. So, so, if that's okay with you, I think that's what we're going to do next week, and maybe, maybe we'll see what the weather is like, maybe we can even have, we can see if we can have a little braai or something, just, just, uh, just something, real church, real church, okay. And, uh, but tonight, tonight, we are tackling... A very interesting uh, topic, which is salvation. You say, how can we revisit salvation in the, in the light of grace? Well, I'll show you how, how we can do it. Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10. This is a scripture that all of us have been growing up with in the charismatic church, okay? This was it. This was the basis of salvation. Romans, Romans um, 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, what what is the... What is the, the, the the understanding behind this. The understanding behind this is that if you believe in your heart, which um, I don't quite know how you do that. All right, maybe, maybe you do, but I don't. Because the heart is either a muscle in my chest or is that core being of my spirit where I don't really have access because it's a spiritual thing. So the last time I checked, I can only believe with my head, right? But we, we, we are so quick to tell the people from the stage, come on, praise him from your heart. ha. <coughs> <coughs> uh-huh. See, I, th- that is what I 'm talking about tradition. It's something that has been hammered into our heads for such a long time that we don 't even think anymore. we just you know praising him with your heart. Okay, I suppose what? Praising loud, praising him jumping up and down, praising how? Praising meaning what you say. Well, you should be meaning what you say. so I don 't understand. But uh, so we had that and uh, we have a situation where we have an altar and we, at the end of the service normally, we make what we call an altar call. Now, number one, there's nothing wrong with an altar call, okay? Don't, don't hear me wrong, there's nothing wrong with an altar call, just like there's nothing wrong with me talking to you uh, at the shop and asking you to pray a prayer with me. It doesn't have to be the altar. It doesn't have to be church. But there's nothing wrong with being an altar and being church. Also because, if you think about it, most of us came through the altar call. Is there anybody here that did not go to the front, to the altar? There you go. Okay, someone... Ah, you did, man. You, did. you didn't go to the altar because it was a stadium. Give me a break. But, uh, but what I'm saying is there was a... There was a, there was a uh, uh, yeah, well, you didn't go, actually. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, the, the, the normal way or the traditional way to do it is the preacher finishes his preach and then he says what? Every head bowed. Every eye closed, <laughs> right? That that is like in the name of Jesus. I mean, doesn't matter what you say. As a Christian, you must finish in the name of Jesus. Because otherwise, it doesn't count, right? So, most of us that most of us came in with that. But what what was the? <clears throat> was it ever like that? No, it was never like that. It started happening in the 1800s with the evangelist Charles Finney, which was eventually almost excommunicated because he was um, his way of, of evangelism was based on uh, the mind. What what he what he wanted what he was what he wanted to do all the time was change the person's mind. So in other words, there was no intervention of the Holy Spirit. All you had to do was saying. Yes, I accept uh, Jesus Christ, and that was it. And, uh, and what he had, he began the story of the altar with the seat of sorrow, which was uh, a few chairs in the front that you would go to and kneel or sit and, and feel very sorry for yourself. And uh, and from there, then you had D.L. Moody, then from... From there, of course, the Methodist picked it up, and it, it began to move, and it began to, to be, especially in the, in the big uh, um, tent meetings where uh, uh, you, you would walk the aisle. You'd walk the aisle. Uh, there was, there's a, there's a, a very typical phrase in, in, in American slang. I can't remember it now, but it has to do with the chips of the wood that they would, they would put on the ground, because normally it, it could be wet, it could be muddy and everything, so they would put these chips, this, the wood shavings, and it was like um, I'll, find, I'll find it, I'll tell you, but it was like uh, walking the wood or something like that. Uh, it's like, you know, like the pirates say, walk the plank when they throw you off the. That was, the, that was a, a saying that you would do that and going is saved. And it was identified, you're saving moment was identified with that moment and when he would go to the altar. But then, the mega evangelist, Billy Graham, picked it up. And that's where it took off. And suddenly, the whole world was doing the altar call. But I challenge you to show me one place in the whole Bible, what Jesus said. All right, now everybody, every eye closed, every, every head bowed. If, if you're here today and you want to give your heart to me, I guess, <laughs> lift your hand. And to me, the, the typical moment was the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, the Bible tells us that there were multitudes. Of, of sinners from Syria, from uh, from Decapolis, Greeks, uh, Arabs, uh, uh, Romans. There was multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people. Obviously, there was not one single Christian, because we know, <laughs> we know why. And there were very few Jews, because Jews uh, didn't follow Christ in his preaching. So the, the majority of them were either idolaters, unbelievers, or, or some kind of a bad dude. I mean, there was not Good people there, in the multitudes, they were all bad. And Jesus ends his uh, Sermon on the Mount. And what a great opportunity to say. Okay, you want to give your heart to me? Come to the front. Let me pray for you. Anything, anything of that kind, any nowhere, nowhere way do you... See. It's always Jesus releasing your decision into the hands of the Holy Ghost and letting Him handle the future of your decision. And that's where we miss it. And that's why we end up with Christians that are supposed to be Christians, but they're not Christians. And we watch Him and then we categorize the grace message into, yeah, now look at that, I mean grace. That's because grace, this is what grace produces. Grace produces this kind of people that go out and just sin and do what they want. And I'm going, eh, no, because in the, in the letter to Titus, the Bible says that grace, the grace of God teaches us to walk in uprightness and teaches us not to sin. And te- So it's a grace that teaches you to behave properly. So once you are properly born again, that thing inside of you, the nature inside of you will guide you and will not push you, but will um, help you to do the right stuff, not the wrong one. But so we have, we have a situation where we, where we say, uh, yeah, but I saw him. He went to the front. He cried. You don't get saved by crying. Jesus never stopped and said, okay, come on, give me some tears. Come on, give me some tears. Anybody here that is really repentant? Anybody here that is really... And whenever Jesus... Let me let me just put in brackets something. Whenever Jesus said, that, and John the Baptist, which by the way, both of them were preachers under the Old Testament, Jesus, John the Baptist, uh, and most of the disciples, because uh, if you remember correctly, Jesus sent them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and said to them, Don't go to the Gentiles. So they were sent to Israel. Just like Jesus, the Father sent him to Israel. Galatians, Galatians 3 speaks of when the time was right, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to minister of those who were under the law. Israel. See, so Jesus was sent to Israel. The, 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 the disciples were sent to the to the to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, John the Baptist, of course, was an was a Old Testament preacher. What did they say? They say, repent and believe in the kingdom of God. Now, that repent, we have taken that word repent and we have slammed it into stop doing what you're doing. Right? Feel sorry for your sin. Feel, feel sorry. And I told you already many times When I got saved, I did not feel sorry for my sin. I felt sorry for myself. My sin? Couldn't care less, but I didn't even know what sin was. So we, we have identified that word, metanoia, with changing behavior. Now there's a, there's another word that speaks of changing behavior, and that's the word metamelomai, which is when when uh, when Judas sent the thirty pieces of silver at the feet of of the of the of the, of the Pharisees, of the, and they, they they took it and said, "What have, what are we to do with you? Just you know, just get lost. We're not interested in you." And then the Bible says that he repented and he ran away. But the word there is the word metamelomai. In other words. He was sorry because he had been caught. See, that's got nothing to do with being, with repenting. Okay. Is there anything wrong in the understanding that we have a repentance? No, of course not. You, you do something stupid, you should, you should feel sorry for yourself. You should feel sorry that you hurt your father. You should feel sorry that you because bottom line, sin will hurt you. No two ways about it. It might take a day, a, a, a week, a year, half your life, but sooner or later, the wages of sin will come knocking for death. So they do all the hurt. However, that word metamelo, meta, metanoia means. Meta means change and nous means mind. So it's a change of mind. What were they trying to say? They were trying to say, well, not John the Baptist. John the Baptist was talking about change of behavior. But Jesus was talking about change the way you see your way to salvation. Because up to now, your way to salvation was through the temple and through the sacrifices in the temple and through the high priest. From now on, I have come. I am the Lamb of God. You need to repent, change the way you're thinking. From now on, you're not going to get to heaven through the sacrifices of the temple. The blood of bulls and goats will not take you to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but by me. So that was the change, both in in Peter, in Paul, and in Jesus. John the Baptist, of course, was was an old-timer. And there are many, many ways in which uh, the Bible speaks of him telling Israel that they need to repent of their sins, and whereas the Holy Spirit tells him to tell Israel that they need to go to Christ. So uh, he insisted, and I think, I think, bottom line, that's the reason why he carried on denying the reality of Christ, and so he opened himself to the devil. And the devil was able to hit him and kill him. This is, this is my personal view. It's, it's what I call the hole in the edge. Uh, when you keep on doing something stupid, uh, the devil will, will, will make use of it, uh, will take advantage of you and, and, and intervene. So, um, why do I say that? I say that because uh, when, when, uh, when John the Baptist was in prison, in prison, he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you... The Holy One that is to come, and I mean, He was there when the when the dove descended. He was there when the when the when the waters split. He was there when the voice of the Father said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom am well pleased." So He was there. He knew it, right? But you would be surprised when God doesn't behave the way that you're expecting to behave. How easy it is to change your mind about Him. And just to prove his point, Jesus, instead of going to visit his cousin, John the Baptist, in jail, he goes to the sea. <laughs> he goes to the beach. Yeah, Capernaum. He, uh, he was, uh, John the Baptist was in Jerusalem. Jesus picks up and he goes to Capernaum. He goes to the sea. He says, okay, never mind. Just nothing I can do. So, repentance is that thing. Jesus never presented repentance as an event. He always presented it as a journey. And that's very important. Because for su- it doesn't have a time limit. It can happen in a second. It can happen at the altar. But it doesn't have to. You are not... Okay, let me just share with you something. Okay. I've got to get closer. So this is usually the words that are spoken. Prayer for salvation. Lord, our Heavenly Father. Wrong. He's not your father. You haven't been born again, so don't call him father. And boy, do we always hear that. No matter where, on on, on TV, everywhere. The moment that they pray, they say, Our Heavenly Father. And I'm going, He's not your father. Up until, up until now, you're of your father, the devil. And the deeds of your father, you will do. Until you change, you repent, change your mind, step over to the other side, you're a goat. Step over to the other side, become a sheep. And then you can call me father. You can call me creator. You can call me God. God but you can't call me father until you accept my invitation to become my son. He went to his own and his own did not accept him. But to all those who believed in his name and to them he gave the right to be called children of God. Now you can call him father. So he says, father, I commit myself into your hands. Give me a break. You don't even know you're a sinner. What ends what? Anyway. <clears throat> so, I believe and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord. Okay, that's it. Okay. Uh, and Savior. Forgive all my sins. Done. See, there, the prayer of salvation says, I must go and ask God to forgive my sins. But the reality is, you must accept his forgiveness. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Sorry, 19, he says that God in Christ reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So God in Christ, when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. Guess what Father did? He forgave them. That's why redemption is universal. The world has been forgiven. But salvation is individual because you need to accept it. Because God is so Beautiful and so loving that even in that it will not force you. It's your choice. It's your decision. So, uh, forgive all my sins and, and cleanse, uh, cleanse. cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. All right. Well, whatever. Come and live in me. Okay. I confess that you are my Lord and Savior from the bottom of my heart. Amen. Now that is very cute. And it's very nice. And God is so gracious that He will use anything that you I mean you can you can rap a song. And if your heart is going going to God and saying, Help me, the Bible says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved it's not a process It's not a, it's not a list that you must tick the boxes he's not you must just say help me which is what I did that was my prayer and it worked it worked I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here 36 years later and I'm, I tell you I'm I'm so chuffed with my Lord because it it goes more and more and more and it's beautiful and it's great and it's intimate and it's wonderful and it's warm and it's happy and it's joyful. Uh, I got wrapped over the knuckles yesterday from a church in Italy uh, that I can't go to anymore because I am too happy. (laughs) When I preach, I make people laugh and you're supposed to be miserable. You're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to be miserable. So there you go. So that is the that is your your typical uh, salvation prayer. But now, how about if we read the Bible? Will that be all right? Can we read the Bible? Can 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 we read what the Bible says about salvation? Can we do that? Because We are stuck with the idea that for you to be saved, you must repeat this after me. And it's 13 words, 17, 25, sometimes 48, words that I put in your ears and that you repeat after me. And when you're done, I will look at you and smile real big and give you a hug and say, Come here, my brother, you're saved. You might be. But you don't know. You don't know. And he don't know. Because at that point in time. You're like a baby. If you are born again. If you have just been born again. You're just like like a baby. You know nothing. You know squat. All you know is. Ah, give me some food. It's like a baby. You don't know anything. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to. That's why Paul says. I beg you. Renew your mind, there's a whole world, new way of seeing things, new way of considering things, new way of understanding things that you will never be able to touch unless you renew your mind. So, let's see what the Bible says. You remember the story, Paul and Silas in the jail in Philippi. Now, why did they go to jail? They went to jail because they were going around town and and sharing Christ with the people, uh, not doing any major crusades. They were going and talking and everything. And then there was a woman that followed them day after day after day after day, making a very true declaration. She, she, She said, these men... Uh, From God Almighty. And declare the way of salvation. Paul got upset. Instead of saying. Yeah that's right. Okay let's gather the crowds. Come over here. All right. All the heads bowed. All the eyes closed. Lift your hand if you want. No. That's not the way of salvation. He said. You are full of the devil. (laughs) And he cast that demon out of her. And she stopped being able to. Tell the fortune to, to. And so she lost the way of income of her boss, of her owners. So they got very upset. They started stirring up the crowd. The Jews pitched in the usual situation. And Paul and Silas ended up in stocks in a hole in the wall, because that's where the cave was in those days. Just a cave, right? This particular one in Philippi was a big one because it speaks that the light didn't even reach where Paul and Silas were. It says that the the jailer had to take a light and go to where they were because they were isolated. So now they're in jail. They're in jail, and at midnight, they decide you know what? Let's have a praise and worship session. So they start singing. Start singing. And we know what the Bible says. Everybody hears them. They start singing with them. Uh, Everybody's very happy. All of a sudden an angel shows up. Earthquake. Chains fall. Everybody, all all the prisoners escape. The jailer, Get seriously worried, because in those days, your prisoners escape, you don't get sent home with pay, like it happens these days. No, in those days, they killed you. <laughs> they said, okay, come here, you know, I can't kill them, so I'll kill you. Uh, so he, that's why the Bible says that he took his sword, and he was ready to kill himself, because, you know, there was also torture involved and everything, so rather go quickly. But all of a sudden, he hears this voice from inside, don't do yourself any harm, we are here. And the conversation begins, and all of a sudden, this man, most, prob- most probably a, a, a Greek, Philippi is in, was in, in Greece at the time, in, in Asia Minor. It uh, could, could have been a Roman, It could have been a Jew, he could, but he was a nobody, asks him a question. And this is the question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Is that a... I think that's a fair question. What must I do to be saved? I think that's a question that we are trying to unravel tonight. They asked him, what must I do to be saved? So Paul said... Come over here, by your head, say these words after me. Amazing, eh? Isn't this a simple, I mean, that's a simple question. Every single human being could ask that question, and there should be the answer, repeat these words after me. But the answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You see, there's no, there's no. Okay, come over here. Here's the card. Put put your put your name and address, the the, the street where you live, and uh, so that we can send uh, someone to 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 come. And I'm please don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. The 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 systems have changed. The methods have changed. But the problem is that we end up thinking. That the moment that you say, repeat these words after me, that that is your salvation. And then we have all the questions, but then why are they behaving like that? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing this? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Because most of them are not saved. All that most of them did was repeat a prayer. And you don't get saved by repeating a prayer. You get saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul didn't say to him, pray this prayer with me. That would have been the ideal moment to say, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Repeat this prayer after me. But he didn't. He says, see, salvation, Mr. Jailer, does not involve me. It's between you and God. And the key to salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. And I cannot believe for you. You must do the believing yourself. And you know something else? Nobody will ever know when you believe. That is only God's prerogative. Because he's the only one that says, Saved. Born again, it's like, it's like the, okay, we're going to talk about it now. But he says, you and your asshole. Okay, this is, this is, by the way, one of the, one of the scriptures that the Enchekerk used to justify the, the baptism of infants. Because what they say, they say, he was a, a, jailer should have been a young man, obviously. And so as a young man, he would have had young babies. And so there you go, you see? Because the, later on, uh, the, the, uh, he gets baptized and everything. So they say, say, there you see. So the babies need, that is so far stretched that I don't even know. Anyway. So, you and household. Why? Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. That's why Paul says, you and your household, your family will be saved. Why? Because I'm going to tell you about what Jesus did. That's why. No, no, this is not Cornelius. This no, is the, God, but the same thing. Uh, all the house. heard Yeah. And heard and read and yeah. Outside. Cornelius was the same thing. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you remember what happened with Cornelius, but that, that is something that always makes me giggle because uh, Peter was preaching. And the Bible says while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit said, shut up, let me finish that. The Holy Spirit stopped Peter from preaching. Why? Because you know one of the greatest rules in selling? When you got the sale, shut up. Many people lose a sale because they carry on talking. When you got the sale, stop. <laughs> right, so, that, so that's the thing. So, now... Uh, the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, I don't know why I put that there afterwards, but that's, I'm, just read it. Uh, I don't know, possibly it was supposed to be before, yeah. Had uh, fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself, I told you that, but blow yourself, no, okay, never mind. Uh, so, <clears throat> this is my point. Salvation is not an event, it's a journey. And it's a journey that can take three seconds at the altar. When you pray the prayer. When you repeat after me. But not necessarily. It might take three years from that. But there's going to be a moment in your life not when you say a prayer but when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment The seed, the supernatural, incorruptible seed of God's word will fertilize the egg of your life and you will be born again. And nobody really knows when that happens. Because only God knows the times and the place. That's why... I call them the continue verses. Romans 11, 12. These are the verses that freak out the people that don't believe in grace. Because Romans 11, 12, this is what it says. Now, 11, 11 yeah, 12. If they fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Ah, this is talking about Israel. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? This is talking about the fact that there is a tree, and out of that tree... It's life, and you need to be grafted into that seed, into the trees. Got nothing to do with Christians that fall, are broken off, and anything. These are Jews and Christians that need to be grafted into that tree. Now watch, for if the first root is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, now talking to the Gentiles, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and, and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, support the root but the root supports you. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you are the, the vine, you are the branches, without me you can do nothing, right? And he says, he says, he uh, says, uh, remember the vines that, uh, that doesn't produce fruit and gets cut and thrown into the fire, okay? Now, there's, there's something that is called a wild vine that does not produce fruit. Just the fact that it calls them branches doesn't mean that it comes from the vine that is supposed to produce fruit. If you don't produce fruit, it's not because you are a bad, good vine, or uh, you're a bad, good branch. No, it's because you're a bad branch. And bad branches don't produce fruit. Good branches, if they don't produce fruit, what happens? They get pruned so that they can produce more fruit. They don't get cut and thrown into the fire. And this is again the story about sheep and goats and sons and servants. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity. How did they feel? How did they fall? Because of unbelief. But toward your goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So what is he saying? He's saying there's a moment when you get grafted in and you need to continue your journey of salvation until eventually that graft takes. Because it's not necessarily the moment that you cut in and you put in there that you are part of the tree. That it could be, again I repeat, you could get saved the moment you say, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You could get saved because your heart could cry out to the Lord. Well, we don't know these things, but it could be like that. But there are there are there are verses that speak about continuing, and a lot of people say, you see, that's why if you don't continue, you lose your salvation. No, you never got your salvation. That's why you need to continue. Now let's look at Colossians one, twenty-one and twenty-three. Colossians one 21. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, past in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in what? In your good behavior? No, in the faith. Why? Because the only thing that can kill you is unbelief. is stopping that journey to faith. If you continue in the faith, people will challenge your grace message by saying, no, look at that, if you don't behave properly, you lose your salvation. No, if you stop believing, you don't get the salvation that's lying in front of you. Because you never got it. if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not move away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached, to every creature of which Paul became a minister. Can you see this? If you not move from the hope of the gospel, why was Paul always talking about this? Because mainly, okay, in this case he was talking to the Colossians, but mainly he was trying to reach Israel, and he was telling them, Don't lose the hope of the gospel. Don't go back to the temple. Now watch what he says, Hebrews six. This is the bad one. This is the one that they always will throw you in the face. Because this he says four. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted please note this word tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers. Of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shape. What does that mean? This, he's talking to Hebrews. all right. And this, this letter was written to a bunch of people that were so shaken up by the persecution of wanting to leave Judaism and become Christians, they lost their jobs, they lost it, it it was terrible, that they started thinking about going back to the temple practices. And this is the context of where the writer of Hebrews is saying these words, don't, what have you done? You have tasted, you haven't swallowed, you have tasted, you have, you have someone in the supermarket has come around with a, with a with a tray full of the little cheese, little thing with the toothpick on. And I've said to you, here, try this. And you have gone to the, to the little home church, down the road from the temple, or down the road from the synagogue, or down the road, you have gone into that group of crazy people that have to Blow out all the candles because just in case somebody sees them and and, and they get persecuted and sometimes killed and sometimes they have to gather underground, hidden. It's dangerous. It's bad. You lose your job. You lose your relationship. So you have gone in there. You have tasted of what they said. You have actually seen Paul performing miracles. You've actually seen some of the guys performing miracles. You have become partakers of the experience. Of the Holy Spirit. You have tasted, you have looked, you have tried, you have you have touched, but you haven't bought. And that's why it says if you don't buy, there is no other way of repentance. You cannot repent in in any other way. The only repentance that you can have is through the sacrifice of Christ. And that's the context of Hebrews 6. And everybody, many parts of the world, that will put the scripture in your face and say, you see, it says, it is impossible for them to be renewed again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Why? Because your friends, your family, they've seen you go into that little group. They've seen you biting at this thing called the gospel. They've seen you considering The possibility of becoming a Christian. But then they've seen you coming back. And say no. Not for me. You're putting Christ to an open shame. And that's why. There is no other. The only way to repentance. Is to go back into the little room. Into the little group. And again considering. The same thing that you have denied before. Again this time. Taste it. Swallow it. And by the. The, the whole packet of cheese. See. And then he says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receive blessings from God. So the earth that drinks the water. Have you, the water is always a, uh, an indication of the Holy Ghost. So have you drunk in the water? Yes, we have. So it is a blessing from God. But if you don't drink in the water it bears thorns and briars and it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. All right? Now watch what happens. Because of this difficult verse, and again, I told you many times that in those days you didn't have a computer, you didn't have pages in a a notebook, and if you made a mistake, you just... Tore off the page and, and get a new one. You had parchments that was extremely expensive. So what they did is they tried to make a, a difficult concept as easy as possible. And sometimes they didn't do it. That's why you need the revelation of the Holy Ghost to read the Bible. But now watch what, what he says. Because he, say, he realizes now that he, said, he made a statement that is heavy and difficult to swallow. So he says, verse 9. But beloved, see now he's talking to his brothers and sisters. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this matter, in this manner. See, it, don't get confused because as far as you're concerned, we are confident of better things that accompany salvation. So don't worry about what I just said because that doesn't apply to you. It applies to those who have not... But into the salvation cookie, they have not, they've tasted, but they've not swallowed. They they've taken the car for a for a for a drive, but they didn't buy it. Right? Okay. Then Hebrews ten, same thing. Hebrews ten twenty six twenty nine. Now, why why am I looking at these verses? Because I'm trying to to make you understand that the Bible does not contradict itself. And if you don't understand the context of these verses, you will think, no, but wait a minute. Here it says that their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And then a couple of verses later, it says, no, but if you do this, then you fall from grace. How does that work? I'll show you. 10, 26, 29. Twenty-six. For if we sin willfully, ha! Anybody here that can still sin without willfully, without not? Sorry, I know I went to bed with someone that's not my wife, but I, I didn't really mean it. I didn't know what I did. I looked, and there she was. You know, I didn't do it willfully. I, I don't know what happened. He's, he's like that guy that, that, that got caught uh, uh, with, with crayfish. And he told, uh, he told the inspector, no, that's, that's my pet. <laughs> so what do you mean it's your pet? He said, so, yeah, it's my pet. See, wh- what I do is I put them in the water and they go for a swim and then they come back. He says, ah, oh, come on, don't, don't be stupid. Let me see. Sure. Puts them in the water and <laughs> off they go. And he said, what, what crayfish? See, I, I, I didn't do it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. For if we sin fil- willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Of course there no longer If you don't accept the sacrifice that Christ has done, there is no other sacrifice for sin. It's no use going back to the temple because that's not going to help you. And then, of course, he says, by the certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has received Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? In other words, not accepted what he did. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. In other words, not accepted the spirit of grace. All right, the last one is James 1. James 1. James, do you know that uh, uh, Martin Luther wanted to take James out of the Bible? (laughs) Yeah, he said, no, this is not inspired because it's a difficult letter, difficult letter. James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem and eventually got decapitated by by, um, anyway, one of those guys, one of the, one of the kings there. What's uh, the what's a, what's a one that's got, anyway, uh, and uh, he was very legalistic. So James one twenty five, he says, uh, James one twenty one. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save the, 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 what, he, what the apostle is trying to say, he's trying to say that you look at the... It's like someone looking himself in a mirror and seeing his originally... The word is the genesis, his genesis face. The, the face of God having changed him the way that he's supposed to be. And he walks away. That's a problem, you see. He looks and he walks away. He tastes and he doesn't eat. He, 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 he tries, but he doesn't buy. There is, there is a moment in which... There's a, during the, the journey... That's why the Bible says continue in it until eventually... Watch what happens. Until this happens. Peter is talking. We do not follow cunningly devised fables... When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty... For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. He's talking about um, Mount Gabor with, with the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word, so you, we have the prophetic word confirmed. which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until when, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, until you the revelation makes you go, "Ah, I see it now." That's why it is that beautiful word Ado, in the Bible that says uh, that means, "I see it, I understand." Uh, when 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 peter and john r- ran to the tomb and it says peter john john looked and he saw the 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 the, clo- the clothes and uh, and the cloth um, on the side folded and he looked and the, and the word the, the greek word there is the word uh, um blapō which means to look not very deep but i mean he looked and the word means to look so blapō And then then comes Peter, and Peter goes in, and he sees the same thing. And the Bible uses the same word, Peter saw, and that word is teoreo, which means asking you a question. You see, but you don't get it. Why is that cloth folded on the side of the tomb, of the sepulcher? And then the third one is when John comes in, he goes into the tomb, he sees and he believes. Why? Because he blapo. sorry, he ado. he understands. Suddenly that light shines and he goes, pa! That's why that napkin is folded. Because in the, old, in, in, the, in the old tradition of the Jews, when you wanted to transmit the message to the owner of the house that invited you to eat and you wanted to tell him, I have been very happy here and I'm coming again, that rag that they would give you to wipe your mouth and to wash your hands and dry them and everything, you would leave it like that. You would leave it unfolded. You would leave it messed up. But if you folded it, the message was, I'm not coming back again. So John saw it and he heard the message. He heard the voice of Christ saying, in this tomb, in this place of death, I'm never coming back again. I am born again. I've been raised the third day. I'll never die again. This is the proof of my deity. I conquered death once and for all. John saw it and he believed it. And in that moment, see the morning star rises in your heart. How many of you have ever read a a scripture and something went bang and and you you saw something that you've never seen before? that is revelation that is the spirit of revelation that is what i'm 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 crying for people to understand this is not god this is a book but god uses this book to speak to us because this is all he has he, he doesn't use joy magazine you know the, the, even though sometimes he can use anything he wants i mean he can use E-news, if he wants to, to talk to us. But be honest with me. Have you ever heard the voice of the Holy Spirit through a song or or while you were walking or uh, a sunset or apart from the Bible? Yes, you have. Of course you have. We all have. Because God is not limited to a book. However, in here, there's a spirit of revelation that's longing to connect with your spirit and make connections so that he can tell you what he, wants, what he wants you to see. And that light, that light shines. And that's the moment when you get born again. That is the moment when you get born again. Ephesians 2.8. Saved by faith, by grace, through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Romans 10.17 Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? It means that you are saved by grace through faith. So how do you get faith? Remember what the, sir, what must I do to be saved? You must believe. So what must I do to, be believe, must I do to believe? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by that revelation of that word that speaks to you, of that spirit of grace that speaks to you. And he says, you need to be born again. And that's what happened to me in my bathroom. I I, I didn't do all the spiritual gymnastics that everybody said. Nobody, I don't even remember if he he had an altar call, but certainly I didn't go. Um, But I did the Wednesday. That Monday night in my bathroom, I got born again. On the Wednesday, I I went back to church with a very dubious wife because I used to go to seances and I used to go to spooky things and uh, (laughs) demonic things and she would she would come looking for me at two o'clock in the morning with the with Marushka baby in the back seat trying to find where her husband was and so she was a little bit dubious about this Rema church you know what is this thing and then when we got there the end of that night I went forward and I gave my heart to the Lord you know what He had my heart already. Because in that bathroom... I said... I don't even know if you exist. But if you do help me. And I will do anything you ask me. And I don't know if... My spirit got born again there and then. But my journey began. And maybe it happened... On the Wednesday. When I went to the altar. I don't know. Maybe it happened later. When I went to Zaire. I went to Kinshasa... And, and I got smacked in the face by a, by a, um, uh, a super-educated uh, Greek that told me all the reasons why the Bible was a, was, a, was a book of lies because that the Jews used to justify the stealing of Palestine. And I phoned my wife and I said, put that book down and don't touch it until I come home. This was what, two months, three months later? So I don't know when I got saved. But my journey started in the bathroom. Not in the church. It carried on in the, ju- in, in, in the church. And then I had someone hitting me hard. With all the, I mean, I, you can take this book and make such a lot of, Questions and 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 you see, he says this and he says that and this and that and this and that. And if you don't have your heart solid in the in the knowledge of the heart of God and the grace of God, they will take you away with like that. And this guy, this guy said, "No, come, come, I'll show you." Uh, the first thing that hit me, I walked into a room that was floor to ceiling books, and I got, immediately I got intimidated because I mean. Seriously, you read all those books? And then this guy began to tell me all the reasons why and quoting, quoting the Greek and quoting the Hebrew and quoting the philosophy and, and the histori- historians there and the this and the that and the other. I got smashed. And I told him put that book down. And, and of course, he gave me the story of the Levite that cut up the, his concubine in 12 pieces. How do you like that when, you, when, you, when you're like two months old in the, in the Lord? And he said, what do you call this? And I said, that is a butcher. That is not, yeah, he says, that's, that's, what, that's in your book. And I, you know, are real. I said, well, "Why it is. You know? So I went back home. And I went immediately to the guy that was instrumental in me going to the church. Uh, well, me carrying on, anyway, long story, friend. And um, so he took me to, to this Messianic Jew by the name of Sidney Burnick who was married to Ray secretary. And who we were, we were all kind of new in the faith. So we sat down, and Sidney, like a good Jew, he looked at me, and he made it so simple. He said, tell me something, Mario, because you remember that I was on the verge of suicide a few months earlier. And he said to me, tell me something, Mario, you feel better now or you, feel, or you, or you, feel, you felt better the day after you got saved? And I said, of course, the day after you got, I got saved. So he says, do me a favor, put all the questions and the doubts aside and carry on. God will answer the questions when the time is right. And something clicked and I said, Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna do that. That was the last time I looked back. Now I don't know when click, I don't know when the door opened, I don't know when I walked through, I don't know when when the divine sperm penetrated the egg of my life and and created the new creature. I don't know it. I just know it worked. It was a journey, it wasn't a moment. Maybe it was, I don't care. I just know that I want you to realize the fact that it's, sometimes it's instant, sometimes it takes a while. And the only way that you can test your salvation is the fact that you know who he is. No matter what he does, no matter if he doesn't answer another prayer, you might be upset with him, you might even tell him to get out of your life but you know who he is. And that's why you tell him, I want nothing to do with you. You wouldn't talk to the wall, to the ceiling, if you didn't believe there was someone there. You would just say, ah, I'm, seriously? Uh, that, was a, that was a fun ride, but whoa, what a bunch of nonsense. No. Because you talk to him, you relate to him, you, you have... And another proof of the pudding. Don't lift your hand. But when you sin, and I know you don't sin. I'm talking about those that didn't come tonight. Rene and uh, the other people. Okay. Shame. Renee's is going to hear this on a, c- on a CD. But uh, the ones that didn't come. You, not you. not uh, we, don't, we don't sin. But when you sin, the reason why you know that you're a Christian, you're a child of God, is because something in your heart says, that's not right. And it's not the Holy Ghost that convicts you. That word convict is something that says I'm putting you to jail. I'm convicting you. I'm putting you in jail. No! The Holy Spirit is not there waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can slap you and make you feel like you're good for nothing. No! That's your spirit that was not created, recreated for sin and that reacts and says, wow, this yuck, I don't, this 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 is not right, this does not belong with me. You don't know it, you don't sense it, but something happens inside of you that says I wasn't created for that. And that's why you you react, you recoil. Amen? And I've gone over the time, but I've enjoyed it, so. (laughs) right, Daddy God, thank you so much once again for the truth and the joy and the strength and the power in every word I don't care where it is written in a book written in a magazine written in the Bible spoken over the airwaves on television wherever it is it's your spirit contained in every word that we hear from you and that star that morning star rises in our heart and whispers revelation truth That will give us life. An abundant life. And thank you for it Lord. Amen.